You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. It's so great to see everyone. The topic tonight is, like every week, perhaps the most important topic we will ever discuss, the most important trait. The importance of this trait cannot be understated because it is so essential, it's so integral to everything having to do with life, and even more so having to do with Jewish life, and even more so having to do with godliness and having God in our lives. The Talmud says that one of the first questions, actually the first question that's asked upon a person when they leave this world and stand before the heavenly court is, did you talk honestly in your business? Did you do business honestly? Were you truthful? Were you truthful? So let's understand that we're going to get, hopefully we'll be able to get into what it means to be a person of truth, what it means to live a life of truthfulness. So there are three different main areas in where truth is required. First is obvious to speak the truth. But then there's also to live the truth. And then there's also to see the truth. And we'll get into each one of those. So what's actual life living the truth? That is our beliefs, our thoughts, our practices. I'll give you an example. Do we know it true or not true that smoking is bad for you? I don't think there's a single person on planet Earth today who doesn't know that smoking kills, smoking causes cancer. If you just if you don't believe it, just buy a pack of cigarettes and you'll see it. It's in, in big bold letters. Smoking causes uh, lung cancer. Smoking causes, and you'll it's very clear. And yet, the cigarette business is live and kicking, and people still buy cigarettes, even though they know that there is a terrible risk of them having really severe side effects or illness from it. So just because someone knows something, it doesn't mean they live by something. We know we know that there are things that doctors will tell us, don't eat because it's not good for your diet, it's not good for your health, you may have a certain condition, don't eat this food. And yet, every time we pass by that basket of french fries, we can't we can't keep our hands out of it, right? We Every time, and we all have those things that we know are the right or wrong thing to do. And yet, it doesn't mean that we actually live that way. Another example. Do we perhaps know of a mitzvah in the Torah that God says do or don't do? And do we perhaps not fulfill what God wants us to do? I know it's what God wants me to do, but I don't necessarily live that way. So... That's about living a truthful life. Living a truthful life. And we'll define truth. We'll define all of those. Then there is truth in speech. This is a little bit more obvious. It's a little bit more direct because we talk, hopefully, most of the day we talk with people, we communicate with people. And if we're untruthful, people won't trust us. People won't want to do business with us. So there are repercussions that we can notice almost instantly many times. But speaking the truth 
exaggeration, uh, embellishments, that's a lack of truth. You know, there's once there was a, a group of students were talking to their rabbi and they asked him, what should we do if we have a habit of exaggerating? He says, you mean lying? Exaggeration is just another form of a non-truth. Sometimes we, we allow exaggeration because there's truth in it. For example, if I were to say that there were, oh, there were so many people at this party, it was about 100 people. Now, it was really 90 people, but it's, there were 90 there, but I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's still not true. It's still 100% not true. Even if there were 99 people, to say there was 100 people, it's still not true. Is it true or not true? True doesn't have feelings. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't like, it's either is or isn't. Okay. And then sight. How do we have truth in what we see? You know, there's a very interesting Mishnah in Ethics of Our Fathers, which tells us, which teaches us, judge every person favorably. That's truth of the eyesight. You know why? Because you don't really see the full picture. Your eyes trick you to, to thinking that you have the full picture, which is why sometimes we can cast quick judgment on someone. Oh, I saw him do that. I saw him do that. Yeah, but we don't know what's going on behind the story, why, and the reasons behind it that would justify it. An example, I saw someone running a red light today. I left out the fact that it was an ambulance. You understand? So I can, you know, I'll tell you something. I saw him running a red light, brazenly breaking the law, but if you don't have all of the information, and now when we're dealing with other human beings who are not ambulances, uh, it can... It can be the same. You're just missing one piece of the picture that you just don't know about. Speak truth, live truth, and see the truth. So what is truth? So it's not something complicated. People are like, I have to really think about the truth. I have to really think about the truth. It's not so complicated. Truth is something which is very simple, right? It's simplicity without our own crookedness. See, we have our own ways we like to think about things or ways we like to feel about things. It makes me feel a little uncomfortable when people say that. So I'll give you an example. Now, please don't, don't throw stones at me. I'm just, it's an example, okay? If someone asked you, how does their dress look? Do you like this dress? How do I look in this dress? Now, anybody who's married or anybody who plans to get married, Right? You better have a positive thing to say. Now, but what's if they really don't look their best in that dress? You better choose very careful words of how you say that. Now, my daughter is a master with words. And one time, I'm not very good at matching clothes. I'm not, I'm not very good. Those of you who know me know that I try to stay neutral. Everyone's looking. Does this tie match his jacket? Probably not. I don't care. Right? But I, got, I passed that stage already. But either way... I one time came to my daughter and I asked her, and she was probably six years old at the time. It was 12 years ago. I said to her, does this tie, does it match? So she didn't say no. She says, come, I'm going to help you find a tie that matches better. That was a classy way to say it. For a six-year-old, that's pretty amazing. But she avoided saying something which wasn't true. You can say, oh, that looks beautiful on you. Honey, you always look beautiful, right? 
that's that's nice to say and it's the proper thing to say but is that necessarily the truth when someone asks you is this nice on me a very difficult question to answer but sometimes our own crookedness meaning i want to feel good about myself which is why i'm asking for a reaffirmation can cause someone to say something which is not truthful but it's very interesting we talk about our service of hashem you know what we say Purify our hearts so that we can serve you with truth. Let's dissect that for a second. Purify our hearts so that we can serve you with truth. Because there's many ways you can serve our Creator. You can serve Him out of your own personal motives. You can serve Him out of interests, other interests. You want to one-up somebody. You want to show it to your parents. You want to, many different reasons that people could be motivated to serve God. But how about the purest, unadulterated, no extra reasons or, 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 or motives behind it, just purity of the heart. Purify our heart. This the truth is not complicated. It shouldn't be complicated. It shouldn't be involving so many different motives. But if we think about what is falsehood, we'll have a better understanding of what is truth. If someone goes outside right now and says, it's night, that's false. It's factually false. It's not night outside. But if someone says, it's day right now, does that mean they're a truth seeker? It doesn't mean that they only speak the truth? No, it's obvious that it's day. You don't have to. Truth doesn't necessitate obvious facts. We all know that. So when does truth come in? It's a very interesting thing we see by Judah. Judah's name is Yehuda, to give thanks. But it's also from the word modeh, which means to admit. To admit. Judah was in a very compromised situation with Tamar. And he was about to execute Tamar. And Tamar pulls out his staff and says, whoever is the owner of this staff... She didn't want to embarrass him. And he immediately says, you're right. Sages tell us he was He was able to admit the truth. It wasn't obvious, the truth. He was able to go beyond what was obvious to clarify it. It wasn't obvious to anybody else. Judah was a very big, spiritual, holy man. It took someone like him to be able to clarify the confusion. Judah is the reason we're called Jews, because we're able to admit our fault. We're able to recognize the truth and say, yes, that's the truth. Now, in the world we're living in today, it's very difficult, to be honest with you. The world we're living in today, there's so much false out there. You don't know what to believe, what is true, what isn't true. You can listen, you read a a newspaper and come up with a conclusion. You read another newspaper, come up with a different conclusion, and you both think you have the truth. And you could both be wrong. That's the amazing thing of the crazy world we're living in today. You don't know what to believe, what not to believe. So, you know, there's an interesting interesting, uh, story of there was uh, someone walking in the forest at night. It's pitch black. You know, there's trees, there's pitfalls, there's... He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't, he's, he's very worried and concerned. 
for one second, there's a flash of light. There's a lightning. And he can see everything with utmost clarity. And then it's gone. Then it's gone. That moment of clarity, he's going to have to hold on to. Because that's the clarity that can push him through all of that darkness. Ah, he sees where to go now. It's gone. Sometimes the truth is just a flash. It's just a lightning. It's always there, but we're not always able to see it. So it's interesting that in the Shema, we end the Shema with Hashem Elokechem Emet. Hashem, your God, is truth. You know the name of Hashem is Emet. Truth. The Talmud says an interesting thing. We learn this in grade school. We learn that why is God's name Emet? Emet is stability. Emet, the Talmud says, is the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph. Mem is the middle. Tough is the end. So it has the stability. The first letter, the last letter, the middle letter, it has stability. Also, the letters of the Aleph, the Mem, and the Tough all have two legs. The Aleph has two legs, the Mem has two legs, and the Tough have two, has two legs. It stands. It's eternal. What is Sheker? Sheker is falsehood, the opposite of truth. Sheker are all at the end of the alphabet. Shin, Kuf, Resh, Shin, Taf, right? They're, it, it's imbalance. And each one of the letters of the Shin, Kuf, and Resh of, of a lie, a falsehood, all have one leg. Because they'll eventually fall. They'll eventually lose their balance and it'll be clear to all that they're false. But the Talmud says further, it says, you know why, this they don't teach us in grade school, you know why the Aleph is the first letter, the Mem, the middle letter, and the Taf, the last letter, you know why they represent the Almighty? Because the Almighty is before creation, the Almighty will be after creation, and the Almighty is, which is the Mem, He is the existence of this world. So it doesn't only tell us, oh, it's very cool, it's like a balance, God is the beginning, the end, the, the middle, it's, it's, it's stable. Yet God was before the creation of the world, He will be after the existence of this world, and He is a very interesting thing. We confuse nice words with truth. One of my favorite teachings from my rabbi of blessed memory, Reverend Eisenstein. He would teach us this all the time. He'd say, after we say Hashem Elokechem Emet in the morning, in our after the Shema, we say 15 praises of God. All starting with the letter Vav. 15 praises. The last of those 15 praises is Yafe, beautiful. MS is the first, and the last of those 15 is Yafe, beautiful. So my rabbi asked, I don't understand. Why are they the polar opposite ends? You have the first praise of God is truth, and the last is beautiful. Shouldn't they be one next to the other? So my rabbi would say, in the name of Rabchaim Shmulevitz, the Rosh Hashiva of the Mir, 
He says, because what's true is usually not pretty. And what's pretty is usually not true. I'll give an example. There are many people who, we think of leaders of the world, who said the nicest words, the nicest words, or great orators. Not a word was true. There were people who were leaders who spoke truth, but it wasn't so pretty. It wasn't so nice. Usually they don't get along. Truth and pretty and, and, and beauty don't usually get along. That means you ask someone, do you like these shoes? They may say something pretty, something nice, but it may not be true. They may say something true, but it's not so nice. That doesn't mean they're always a contradiction. But it's very rare that they're the same. It's very rare, particularly with words. Someone wants to sell you uh, a, a used car, right? They'll say oh, all the amazing things about the car, but they're not going to share with you the truth about what are the potential uh, problems with that. I'm not here to offend any used car dealers. But the idea here behind this is that not... Everything that's true is pretty, and not everything that's pretty is true. The signature of God is truth. So I want to share with you a few stories, and then we'll continue. You know, it's just an interesting an interesting thing. You know, they started a, a Mahadran bus. A Mahadran bus in Israel, Mahadran means highest level of, uh, of whatever it is. You can have Mahadran kosher, which is the highest level of kosher. So, Mahudar means a higher level. So they started a bus where people didn't want to, you know, have the men and women mixing in buses. So they had, you know, either the men or the women in the front, the men or the women in the back. But like this, they each took their own door. And there was a big concern. There was a big concern. If people are going to come in the back door of the bus, they may not pay their, their tickets because it's going to be an honor system. You have to punch your own ticket. So they did a sample. And they saw that they didn't lose a single dime. People were honest in Jerusalem. The way they had these, these in the religious communities, they didn't lose a dime. But they had a big problem because they did a, the same exact study in Germany. And the German bus company that tried this was in a deficit of 5 million euro because people weren't clicking. Part of what we need to be as a Jewish people is an example to the nations of what it means to be truthful. What it means to be honest. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who is known for his truthfulness, was once at a bank. And the bank teller had heard already that people were saying, oh, this is a leading Jewish rabbi. So the bank teller decided, I'm going to test the rabbi. Let's see if he's really something special. So the teller, he asked, he was, he was withdrawing some money. And the teller put an extra $5 into the envelope. Said, Rabbi Kamenetsky, here's your money. Rabbi Kamenetsky comes home and he counts the money. And he sees he has $5 extra. He goes back to the bank. He goes back to the teller and says, I think you made a mistake. Here's the extra $5. She said, now I know that he's a real holy man. It was a test. It was a test to see if now, could he halachically keep it? Yes, he can halachically keep it. By law, can he keep it? Yes, by law, he can keep it. 
it's their mistake. But is it truthful? To someone who truthfulness is the essence of who they are, they can't. They just can't. Yeah, it reminds me of a story. Rabbi Aaron Cutler, who was the founder of the Lakewood Yeshiva, which today has over 6,000 students sitting and learning every day, all day. So when he was when he opened his yeshiva, they started doing. They needed to do fundraisers, like they still do. Uh, they needed to do fundraisers to to bring funds into the yeshiva. And they made a an envelope that had a outline of the yeshiva of the yeshiva's building. And before they were mailing it, before they printed it, they showed it to Rabbi Cutler. So Rabbi Cutler looks at it and he he circles the tree. He says, what's this tree? This tree isn't there. There's no tree. They said, yeah, we put it in so it looks nicer. He says, but that's not truthful. Take it off. To the degree where he couldn't fathom having an envelope representing something which isn't truthful. Because at the end of the day, you know, it it brings us back to a whole other topic, which I don't want to get into. But you'll never benefit from trickery, ever. You'll never benefit. I'll give you an example. A woman once called me up and she said to me she had ordered something from a store for an in-store pickup. You can do that. You can pick it up in the store. They gave a a date by which she had to pick up this, this product. She made her order. They said, okay, by Thursday on the whatever date, you have to pick it up by 12 o'clock. Thursday afternoon comes. She's like, "Uh uh-oh, I forgot to pick it up. So she runs, gets into her car, and drives to the store. And on the way, she gets an email saying, you didn't pick up your product. We already put it back into inventory. And you have to reorder it if you want it, if it's still in stock. She says, I'm ready on the way. I'm just going to go to the store. She gets to the store. She shows her receipt. They're like, oh, yeah, sure, we have your product. They give her the product. She gets back home and she gets a notification because you didn't pick up your product, we refunded your account. So now she has the product, but she didn't pay for the product. They just refunded it, her credit card. Is she allowed to keep it? That was the question she asked me. I asked a halachic shayla, a halachic question. And the rabbi said, halachically, it's their mistake. And you're allowed to keep it. However, I wouldn't recommend it. Because you'll never benefit from trickery. Even though it wasn't intentional trickery. If you're not 100% honest and truthful, you won't benefit ever. God doesn't like something which isn't truthful. There's no blessing. There's no blessing that comes from something which isn't truthful. To the point where the Talmud says something very interesting. The Talmud says that there are four categories of people that don't see the presence of God. God wants nothing to do with them. They are the scorners, the slanderers, the flatterers, and the liars. The liars. God wants nothing to do with them. We had a long class talking about why each one of those are really repelling themselves away from God. They're pushing themselves away from the Almighty. God is truth. 
The world exists by truth. We said that God is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Meaning middle doesn't mean that God skips over from the beginning to the middle. Meaning everything in between the creation and the end. The only way for something to exist for eternity is truth. Something which isn't true will eventually fall apart. So it's not only that God is the beginning, Hurishon, Vhu Acharon, and it says, Vaanihu, right? Ani Rishon, Vani Acharon, Vaanihu. I am before the world, I am after the world, and I am the world. The only way for that world to exist is through truth. Someone who speaks falsehood, someone who acts in a way of, of, of dishonesty, is pushing themselves away from the Almighty. They can't coexist. You can't coexist with the Almighty if there's even a, 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 a speck of a lack of truthfulness. To what degree do we have to be truthful? So the same Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was once interviewing for a job. And before, you know, the rabbi was retiring. And he met with the retiring rabbi before he went up to speak Shabbos morning to give a sermon in front of this congregation. And he tells the rabbi, the rabbi asks him, what are you, what are you planning to say? He told him what he was planning to say. And the rabbi's like, wow, you say that? You got the job easy. Sure enough, comes the sermon and Rabbi Yaakov says a different sermon. And they didn't hire him. So the rabbi goes over to him. He says, I told you, just say that sermon. What's so difficult? Just say that sermon. Now look, you blew it. So he said it wasn't truthful. He says, that sermon I spent many, many months preparing but that wouldn't be a truthful sermon because they want to see a sermon that they would get every week. One that I have a few hours to prepare, not one that I have weeks and months to prepare. It wouldn't be truthful for me to give them an impression of something that isn't isn't really who I am or what they would actually get. He preferred not getting the job than getting it dishonestly. That's the level that we need to aspire, that there shouldn't even be one little speck in our lives that is not truthful. They once went to Rabbi Schwab and they were talking about someone who runs a cash business. So Rabbi Schwab was in shock. He says, you're telling me there's a Torah Jew who's avoiding taxes? Unwilling to accept it. Unwilling to accept it. It's not truthful. It's not a truthful way of doing business. You run a cash business, because you don't want to pay taxes. Wasn't willing to accept. Avoiding taxes? It's not truthful. You can't do business. My father was once, once hired a young guy. First job that this guy ever had. He hired a young guy. My father was in the diamond industry. And my father was trying to train him. And at the end of the first day, my father asked him, So, what did you, what did you do today? And he tells them what he did. My, fa- my father's like, one second. What do you mean you told them this and that? He says, what do you mean? It's business. You can say whatever you want. He says, you can, you can do whatever you want for business. That was his last day. My father, who's a man of truth, worked in a company 
for many years. And on his last day, before he went on his own, he went to meet with his boss. He says, I want to just sit with you for a minute. He's like, oh, now you're going to tell me how much you stole from me. So my father's like, I may have taken a private phone call during work hours. I may have taken a pencil and used it, and it may have gone into my briefcase. I want you to forgive me for that. A very different level of, of truth. Maybe. You know, if someone is getting paid hourly wage, and they take a private phone call, or if they're paid an hourly wage and they're going on, on Amazon or watching a video or whatever it is during the time that they're supposed to be working, it's pure theft. And we have to be very, very careful about it. But sometimes we don't think about it, which is why we have this class, so we can bring it back to, to our attention, to focus on it, so that in every area of life, we have truthfulness right before us. This honesty is usually linked with a desecration of God's name, with a chilul Hashem, while honesty is often associated with a sanctification of God's name, glorification of God's name. But not always. Not always. It's not always like that. You know, the halacha says an interesting thing. It says someone who's praying in front of his creator and his thoughts are elsewhere, what would you call such a prayer? You know what the halacha says? Eno emes, it's not truthful. Meaning, you're talking to God, but your mind is someplace else. That's not truthful. We have to be willing to take truth, even if it's not on a silver platter. If it's truth, if it's the truth, it shouldn't make a difference where it comes from. Even if someone says it in a disrespectful way, we should be willing to accept it. It's truth. What's if it's a child who talks to me? Who are you? What are you? Oh, you should just know that many times children are the ones who have no filter and say the truth exactly the way it is. And many times as parents, we can make the mistake of telling them, it's not nice, you can't say that. But they're saying the truth. We're teaching them in a way to avert the truth. You ask the child, hopefully not as a guest in someone's house, did you like the food? And like, ugh, didn't like it. And kids are very honest. They know truth, truth, not truth, right? Yeah, we have to teach them a nicer way to say it perhaps. But we shouldn't teach our children to say something which isn't true. Just say it was okay. Just say it was nice. You can teach them to say something else that's nice. Thank you so much for having us. It was so nice to be here. I enjoyed playing with your toys. But not to teach our children to lie and to say something which isn't truthful. It's interesting that the Torah doesn't tell us not to lie. It says to distance yourself from a lie. Distance yourself from it. Because sometimes it's inevitable that you'll need to, for whatever reason. Distance yourself from it. Don't get into the habit of saying things that are untruthful. A person should use extra caution not to allow themselves to fall into a place where they will... Um... It's interesting that there are only two other prohibitions in the Torah that it says to distance yourself. It says of adultery, distance yourself, lo sikrivu, don't get close, distance yourself, and idol worship. Distance yourself from that. As well, 
distance yourself from falsehood. There's something, I, I don't want to have a, a part in it. I don't want to have a part in it. Now, there are some who speak falsehood to toy with imagination and reality. They play with it in their mind. Their imagination is someplace, so they want the reality to be there as well. Everybody feels that they're right. Everyone feels that they're justified. But we need to be pure, pure-minded, pure-hearted to actually connect with the truth. I was once in the presence of my grandfather when he was asked by one of his students about teaching Torah. Teaching, for example, we talk in these classes about many lofty traits, many very important traits. And I've given this introduction in this series, and many times I've given this, is that I'm not necessarily teaching anything that I possess. We're learning together about different character traits that I'm hoping to acquire. I'm not here pontificating. I'm not here uh, to share with you, this is my wisdom and I've got it all right. No, no, no. This is for me to wake up and I'm sharing it with all of, with all of the listeners and for all of those who are here. But the rabbi who asked the question to my grandfather asked my grandfather if it was okay that he was teaching things that he doesn't live by. My grandfather said, that's lying. You have to work on it yourself first. Make it yours, and then you can teach it. You have to make it yours. And I'll tell you to what degree. You know, we just finished the holiday of uh, last week. Uh, Thursday was Lagba Omer. Prior to that, we had Pesach. And soon we're going to have the holiday of Shavuot. After Shavuot, we have the fast of the 17th of Tammuz. Three weeks after that, we have the fast of the 9th of Av, the destruction of both temples. Then we have the beginning of the month of Elul. And then we have 30 days later, Rosh Hashanah, and then Yom Kippur. It's a long time between now. It's almost, almost six months between Pesach and Sukkot. My grandfather started his Elul preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on the 17th of Tammuz. Why? Because that's 40 days prior to the beginning of Elul. Because the beginning of Elul, he'd begin his lectures to his students. You can't lecture them if you didn't work on it yet. If you didn't acquire, if you didn't prepare yourself for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur already, how are you able to prepare your students? You know, if you didn't travel the journey and go through the trials and tribulations, if you didn't plow the way for your students in advance, where are you taking them to? You got to go through the maze first yourself. And then you can give guidance in how to overcome challenges. Grandfather said it was untruthful for the rabbi to teach lectures that he didn't himself already acquire. Now you have a challenge. You have a challenge. Anybody here ever travel to Israel? And when you travel to Israel, you know they ask you rigorous questions. Did you pack your bags yourself? And they ask you all of the questions. The Israeli security are very, very rigorous. They're very smart. And they ask sharp questions to verify whether or not you're being truthful. So I know someone who was going through the LL security. And he was being truthful. 
And he said to them, they asked him, did you buy any gifts for anyone? And he said, yes, I did. What did you buy? He says, I bought such and such for my granddaughter. They took him into a side room. They opened up his bags. They go through every single square inch of his bag. And he misses the flight. So in such cases, they're almost teaching you to not be truthful. Because it was it was so it was so innocent and so innocuous that they're sort of almost demanding that you say something which is not truthful. It's a, that's a big question. Is what do you do in such a case? Do you lie to them? It says to distance yourself from being untruthful. It's very interesting. You're bringing something for someone. How do you answer that? So to me, I have a policy. I hope LL does not watch this video. I'll be flagged forever as a terrorist. Who knows what? But I have a policy. I don't take anything for anyone. I don't take anything for anyone. I don't take any packages for anyone. I don't buy any gifts for anyone. So what do I do? I do. I actually do bring things. So I tell what I do is like this. I tell the people. First is I, I make sure that everything, I inspect everything. So I don't want to be caught one of those people who's smuggling drugs and then sits in jail for 12 years because he was doing someone a favor. So that, don't be silly. But also, you know, people in the community, they ask you, go to Israel. You know, I have a children in, in, in school in Israel. Can you bring them a little package? It could be a shirt. It could be a tie. It could be, okay. So I tell them, look, I'm not going to lie to TSA. I'm not going to lie to Israeli security. I'm going to tell them that I'm not bringing anything for anyone. Oh, but you're taking my things? So I said, no, no, no. You're giving it to me as a gift. It's mine. It's mine. Okay? I'm going to acquire it here. I'm going to lift it up, and it's mine. Now, if when I go to Israel, I decide out of the goodness of my heart that I want to give it to your child, that's my decision. It's, it's my decision. But you're willing to accept that risk that it's not going to get to your child. It's mine. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to them. It's like, okay. So that's my workaround to not lying because I don't want to lie. I'm not, I'm not going to say something that's not truthful. I don't want to say something that's not truthful. So, I don't know. You can stone me after class. But uh, that's, that's my workaround. Many sages demanded that by their funeral, there be no eulogies. They're trying to be humble. No, they're not trying to be humble. That's not why. They're not trying to be humble. Because the heavenly court says, here, here, we have a live broadcast. And they put the microphone to the eulogy. And they're saying all of these wonderful things about the person who passed away. They're saying, oh, he was so kind and he was so caring. And meanwhile, in the world of truth, they're looking and like, were you really? Or you were just faking it. So you made everyone believe something that wasn't truthful. And you're held to a very high account. So many sages said, don't eulogize me. Please don't eulogize me. It'll only cause me damage in the world to come if you eulogize me and you say something which is not truthful. So my grandfather didn't want to be eulogized. Now, it was his, I don't know if you call it luck or if you call it divine, uh, uh, divine inspiration, my grandfather passed away on the holiday of Passover. And during the month of Nisan, you don't eulogize. So he had no eulogy by his funeral. Now, after the holiday and after the month of Nisan, oh, all the... But, but by that time already, the time has passed, and he's passed that time of, of judgment. But the idea is, 
to be so careful about truth that even after we're gone, we shouldn't be giving people an impression that's false about ourselves. Because even people thinking things that aren't truthful and leading them a certain path that they should think a certain way about us that isn't truthful is dishonest. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky again, again, he was such a man of truth that there's so many stories about his truthfulness that he was once writing a letter of recommendation and he asked them, bring me a new piece of paper. And I said, no, you have uh, your letterhead. Yeah, this is a letterhead from a different job that I had. And it wouldn't be honest. I don't have that job anymore. It's giving certain credence to my name that doesn't exist anymore. Give me a different a different piece of paper from my letterhead so that it can be truthful. And he wrote the letter of recommendation again. To the last drop, to be careful in every single word. Not to say a single word that's not truthful. There was a football player who was uh, caught doing something. And uh, he gave his story, and then they questioned his story because it factually didn't make any. It didn't make any sense. It didn't add up. So he said, "Quote: This is my story, and I'm sticking with it. Right? It's like, um, right? It's not true. This is my story, and I'm sticking with it. I, yeah, I'll tell you. I had a question once. I had a meeting with someone at Starbucks, and." I realized I was going to be a couple minutes late and the person calls me up two minutes after our scheduled meeting time and says, I'm so sorry, I'm going to be a few minutes late. And I wanted to know, was it a lack of truthfulness for me to say, don't worry, I'm also late or for them to think that I was there on time? Based on what we said here, the proper thing would not to lead someone on to think something that isn't true. It's not appropriate to let others think something which isn't true. Aside for you yourself, speaking words of truth, living a life that's truth, not giving other people the impression of something that isn't truthful. So it's a, it's, it's a big task. It's a, really a big task. The most important thing, aside for speaking truth, seeing truth, living truth. Living truth is a very difficult thing. How do we live a truthful life that we don't have, that we don't have double standards, that we don't preach one thing and live a different way? That we don't tell one thing to our children, but then contradict that in our own personal lives. So there are things we have to know like this, just one, one other point before we give examples, that our soul is deeply rooted in truth. Because what is our soul? Our soul is a spark of God. And if God is truth, we, within every single human being, there's an element of truth. And you know what? In the polarized political world we're in today, yet we have to recognize that even people who are the, the polar opposite of us, there is an element somewhat within them that's truthful. And everyone's thinking, these people are crazy. And it's like you, you the world we're in today is like, it's my way or everybody's wrong. Because only I have the truth. We have to recognize, open our hearts and realize that everybody has a, a piece of truth in them. I may not agree with it. 
I may not understand it, but at least appreciate and respect the fact that another human being has within them, in their core, in their, in their essence, some truth there. God had a discussion with the angels prior to creating man. There was a whole discussion back and forth, Midrash says, uh, about whether or not to create man. Truth said, don't create man, because he's filled with lies. Man is filled with lies. And eventually God took truth and threw him on the floor. Even though God himself is called Hashem Elokechem Emet. So I saw a beautiful idea. Is that the angel said, man is all lies. Man is a, mankind is all lies. That might be true. The soul is truth. The body, perhaps, could be lies. The soul, the inside of a human being, is always always truth. Is always down to the core. When there is no truth, there can't either be peace. Peace and truth sometimes are a conflict. Because in order to make peace sometimes, you have to give in. You have to compromise. But compromise is not truth. Compromise is not necessarily truth. So let's talk about a few ideas of things that we know are true, but still don't do. Is there anybody on planet Earth who, as a parent, doesn't think that it's better to spend more time with our children? We all know that as a fact. It's a fact. Children need time with their parents. Yet, what do we do to actually implement that truth? If... I know that I need to go to sleep at a certain time in order to wake up at a certain time, in order to be functional. Yeah, but we push off going to sleep. We push off going to sleep. If we know that there's things that we need to do to eat healthier, we push it off. So the objective that I want to, I want to reach today in this class is to take a moment to analyze our lives and consider what are those things that we know to be the truth, that we know is the right thing, whether or not we live it or not, and then find a way, one item at a time, that we can implement that truth. We all have very complicated lives. We all have lives that are sophisticated. I want to say complicated, but we have busy lives. We have many things going on in our lives. Can we look into those things that we know, you know what, I really shouldn't be doing that. I really shouldn't be eating that. I really should be exercising. I really, whatever it is, it's easiest. The diet is a very, a very good parallel to spiritual growth. Because something we see very, very clearly. I know right now in the middle of a diet. I mentioned that previously. And what I find is very helpful is that when I get home in the evening, sometimes it's late at night, I change into my workout clothes. I'm not committing to working out. I'm committing to changing into the clothes. That's my commitment. Because you know what happens when you change into your workout clothes? Usually you'll end up working out. Not always, but usually you will. So in order to trick my mind, sort of, sort of, of getting into the mode of working out and doing my exercise, 
I'm, uh, I'm too tired to go work out. Okay, so don't work out. Just change into your workout clothes. And more times than not, you end up doing the workout. You want to eat healthier foods? Buy healthier foods. Yeah, but I, <laughs> salads, buy it. And more times than not, you'll end up eating the healthier foods. If I buy that bag of potato chips, you can bet I will eat those potato chips. But if I learn to train myself to, yeah, we don't have to do the whole thing. Just take me 50% of the way there. Then we'll do the rest already. We have to find ways to make that truth that we all know in our own heart of hearts to be the truth, to be the, the MS and implement it. Find a way to implement it. I'll even give you another example. Shabbos. The Torah commands us to keep Shabbos. Yeah, but that's not where I'm at right now. Rabbi, it's not, that's not me. You know, I, I go, I go to, uh, I have things I got to do. If there's one thing, one thing, one small step, I've had multiple students tell me that they were considering a journey of Shabbos. What should they start with? I told them, take one light switch. One light switch that you don't turn on or off the whole Shabbos. It's not the whole Shabbos. Don't, it's insurmountable, it seems. Like, wow, how am I going to ever do that? Take one light switch. That's your Shabbos light you don't turn on or off. And then when you're ready, take another light switch. And before you know it, your whole house will be pre-programmed for Shabbos. But it's a small step. No one said you have to do everything in one day. No one said you have to lose 20 pounds in a day. It's a very slow process. But never push away something you know is the truth. So my blessing to each and every one of us is that we all, one, identify what that truth is. Number two, don't push it away. And number three, find a successful way to implement it. Find a way to take a small step and bring that truth into your life. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.